0: of the day okay. when you get an opportunity in this game you make a play okay. the playmakers all on three one two three playmakers. touchdown Kansas City the Chiefs are right in the thick of it baby and welcome once again to another edition of defending the kingdom Mitch Holters with you voice of the Chiefs along with senior team reporter Matt McClellan aka Matt Stat, and the man we call the shop the spider-man the barbershop The Barber of Deville, Seville, or whatever. (laughs) That's a new one. Uh, Sean Sean Barber, the head of the uh, ambassadors as well. So, a lot on the resumes here of these two young men that join me here in Defending the Kingdom. And before we get into the importance of OTAs, CCC, what does all of that mean? Let's do a Defending the Kingdom tradition,
1: and that is travel around the world. So I picked 13 names and places again, of course in honor of 13 seconds. I kinda like this new tradition here. So we'll start uh, all over the globe. We've got Carlos in the Dominican Republic listening to DTK. We have a listener in Manaus, Brazil. Uh, A listener in Israel. Jim in Fiji. Ben in Lear, Belgium. Uh, And then Mike declared Stockholm, Sweden as Chiefs Kingdom Scandinavia. So love that, Uh, people listening all over the world. And of course, lots of people all over the country as well. Tanner declared Council Bluffs, Iowa as Chiefs River City Kingdom. Uh, Tom (laughs) is listening out in Arizona. Uh, He goes to a dedicated Chiefs bar in Scottsdale and watches the Chiefs every single Sunday. We've got Mark from North Montana. Jose declared Inglewood, California as Chiefs' Kingdom battleground. And, of course, we got two um, other teams out there, including the Chargers, so I love that, having Chiefs' Kingdom declared out there in Inglewood. We've got Chad in Sarasota, Florida. Henry in Mission, Kansas, which is a great example of, if you live in Kansas City, <laughs> let us know. And we're still yeah. going to let everyone sure. else know that you're listening here in the KC Metro. And lastly, Don in Los Angeles. He listens while driving his semi-truck.
0: We've had a lot of northern Montana, yeah. haven't we? There's been a lot of Montana that have... are uh- expanding pop in uh, to defending the king. I got one to add. This one is, you know, we have such great female fans in the Chiefs' kingdom. The NFL has a metric they call wall, which is watch, attend, and listen. And they look at, they break it down demographically. And obviously one of the demographics is how fired up are your female fans? And the Chiefs have one of the most engaged Female groups fans uh, in the entire National Football League. This is Sarah Block uh, from Tecumseh, Michigan. Not Tecumseh, Nebraska, or Tecumseh, Kansas, or a lot of Tecumseh, but Tecumseh, Michigan. And get this combination Sarah Block is a Phillies baseball fan and an ardent Chiefs football fan. Gotcha. Loves red, different shades of red. That's it. I've never heard of a Phillies Chiefs combo, but hey. All right, this episode of Defending the Kingdom coincides with phase three of OTAs. And let's get into first, what are OTAs? And then we're breaking it down to CCC. Why are OTAs important? Why have they been important to the success of the Kansas City Chiefs? And we'll dive right in, and I'll tell you where the CCC comes into play. But first, let's just quickly go the definition of organized team activities. There's the acronym. Uh, there's three different phases. The first phase is basically meeting, strength and conditioning, rehab for injured guys. Phase two, now you can get into individual work. You cannot go defense on offense. Okay. Okay. Uh, You've got to stay kind of defense defense, but you can get uh, uh, group work and and individual work. And then now we are in phase three, which starts to look a little more uh, like training camp, although no pads, no hitting, but you can do seven on seven offense versus defense, nine on seven, 11 on 11 drills. Okay. Organized team
1: activities. You get asked every day, Matt, what are OTAs? (laughs) What are OTAs? OTAs are important for a lot of different reasons, and we'll hear from Sean on this because Sean actually participated in OTAs. But it's really basically the closest to real football we've been since the AFC title game, right? And like you said, no pads, no live contact. Like they're running around in shorts out there. But it's 11 offensive players going against 11 defensive players. And with all these new players that we have – They're doing it for the first time here at the team facility. And it's exciting because right now what these guys are doing is they're preparing for training camp, essentially, both um, mentally and physically. You're getting ready for a grueling training camp. And in a lot of ways, this is like – the the cheat sheet for the test, if training camp is the test. This is your opportunity to come in here in May. And this stuff is voluntary. You don't have to be here. But the Chiefs, of course, always have a great turnout uh, because they realize how important this is. Uh, You have an opportunity to uh, do the installs, figure out what the playbook looks like, and most importantly, figure out what the culture is like here. How do you practice? How do you go about uh, a day being a Chief so that when you get to training camp and you get to the season, you're going 100 miles per hour already. And a lot of teams, a lot of coaches don't really value this time but coach reed certainly does you've participated in these as a player you see it from a player's perspective the players
0: association in the collective bargaining agreement basically laid out the rules we just talked about yeah. but your thoughts on otas
2: man i, I guess you got to look at it from the point of a veteran versus the point of a young rookie or a guys trying to become a starter there's two different viewpoints of it um, when you're a veteran and you already know the landscape you already know you know, how to play the game and and how to uh, condition yourself to make it throughout the entire season. You look at an OTA as just something to keep your offseason from getting off the rails, from getting too far away from football. The team is dragging you back into the city to go over some football stuff. You just want to be away from football for a few months. So most veterans see it as being almost a nuisance, whereas the young guys, the rookies, first, second, third-year players that are trying to still um, earn a starting position see as, as, as an opportunity like a proving ground. How can I prove that I deserve to be um, the number one and number two deep? How can I prove I deserve a starting uh, role in the special teams? And where is everybody else kind of um, positioning themselves? Who am I going to target as far as whose position I'm trying to take or go after? Um, and so there's two different kind of value systems, I think, when it comes to these OTAs, plus the the, the strength training and the, the conditioning and the things you're being able to do off the field. Um, but just when it comes to straight football, as far as the depth chart, I think it's two different um, kind of modes you are, depending if you're a seasoned veteran, um, and then opposed to being a rookie or, or a young player.
0: Yeah, and your thought's interesting about how teams approach it, because Andy Reid approaches these like they are extremely important. We've talked about how fast Andy Reid has been in the last six years. And start 16 and three in September. A big part of that is great camps, but great camps are set up by great mini camps that are mandatory. But that's set up by these OTAs. Okay. Now on defending the kingdom, those of you who watch and and listen to us religiously know that we'll try to tie in, oh, I don't know, mathematics, the base 10, (laughs) right? Or we'll tie in literature or we'll tie in maybe science. This time we're going to tie in history because we're going to go CCC and I'm going to relate it to the Civilian Conservation Corps that was put in place from 1933 to 1942 by FDR during the Depression. It was to put young males to work basically and it was to be in conservation projects. They planted in that Nine-year period had to end because of World War II. 3.5 billion trees and many of the state parks that you enjoy uh, around in the states, anyway, for those of you who live in the United States, were put in place by the CCC back in the 1930s. All right, that's our history lesson. Now we go to the OTA CCC. And let's start with our first C of the CCCs, and that is conditioning. And I think there's two definitions here. One, you talked about conditioning, and that is to get physically ready to go. Two to me is the conditioning of your culture. Of the 90 guys on the roster right now, 42 are new to the Chiefs' kingdom. Matt, you and I have seen this, and Shop knows this, that it's not just getting in shape. It is how you practice, why you practice, what you do and how you do it, to get you ready to get into this culture of winning that the Chiefs have.
1: Well, first of all, we always learn new things like live on air from Mitch when we're doing this, (laughs) don't we? I remember Russian history last year and like Rasputin. Rasputin, yeah. yeah, and we somehow get back to the Chiefs. Um, But you're absolutely right. And the thing with the Chiefs is they've had so much success over the last several years. And, yeah, it's because they have great players and great coaches, but the culture is at the core Mm -hmm. of all of it. And you don't just show up in training camp or for the season and have culture like that starts on days in the middle of May when you go out there and you see the veteran players that are there, they're attacking the day with excitement to get better. And younger players see that and they emulate it. We talked earlier watching practice about Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is 32 years old. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, You can make the argument right now that he's the greatest tight end of all time. He's definitely in the top five of all time. And he's going out there in May in OTAs and has the energy of a 23 year old seventh round pick trying to make the team. (laughs) And that kind of culture is infectious. And I think when people, when you're a younger player and you see that, and there's so many young players right now on the Chiefs trying to earn their stripes, uh, you realize that's how we do things here. And when you have all these different players embracing that mentality, no matter the success that they have, uh, it just breeds competition and it breeds victories and AFC championship game births and Super Bowl titles. So it's a it's a beautiful thing seeing that here in OTAs. And that's a huge part of why the Chiefs have been so successful is guys like Travis Kelsey embracing uh, days like in the middle of May. I love that you brought him up. And we
0: saw him today score a couple touchdowns and he does the <laughs> double flex. It was like he was 10 years old. He was having an awesome time. But it has to permeate through the rest of not only his tight end room where there's new guys like yep. Jordan, I know, Jordan Franks uh, or young players trying to get it figured out like a Noah Gray or throughout the entire team. Now, shop. let's talk about conditioning here. Yep. One, physical conditioning, and then two, and you played for Coach Reed. Getting yourself mentally and emotionally prepared to be a part of winning here.
2: Man, mindset is a big part of this, and you talk about you know having the right mindset to overcome Um, obstacles as far as um, mental, physical, all the different constraints and obstacles they put in front of you, all the different pitfalls. Some of them are man-created on purpose just to see how do you handle um, adverse situations as an athlete. But most of them are just the the normal day-to-day that goes by. And you talked about Travis Kelsey, man. It's amazing to see a guy at his point of his career, with as much success he's had, still come out during a uh, voluntary practice and still show that type of excitement because the adverse side of that or the opposite part of the spectrum is also a great tight end Tony Gonzalez. Well, well, Tony Gonzalez is a guy who would go through his plays on the sideline during this kind of period, but let a young guy go and get the live reps because he was, um, he's been there, done that, I don't need that rep. I don't want to even worry about getting injured or pulling a hamstring or kind of a soft injury type thing. Mentally, I'm already understanding what we're supposed to do at this phase. So I'm going to let the young guy go get, get some reps. And then like a Willie Rofe, right? He'll come out there with his flip-flops and uh, <laughs> uh, athletic tape over the flip-flops and talk about, hey, coach, like I, I, mean, I ain't going today. Like, so let the young guy go in there. Um, so, But then you know that shows the two opposite sides of that spectrum. You have some, some, some all-American, 100 top, 100 uh, NFL players that's ever played the game that almost refused to go out there because they've already been there, done that. They know the offense inside and out. But then you got guys that are just as talented saying, I don't want to miss one opportunity to be great. And that's when, as a coach, you, you walk around the locker room, you walk around the practice field, and you ask the same question. Who loves football? Do you love football? Do you really love football? Well, you don't have to ask the question to Kelsey because he shows <laughs> it to you Each and every day, every moment he has the opportunity to, he shows you that he loves football. But a guy like Gonzalez or a guy like Willie Rolfe, even though they are great football players, sometimes you have to question, do they really love football or do they just love game day? Because there's a difference between those two mindsets. And so when you talk about mindset, what you want to build is a guy who has that mamba mentality. We talk about Michael Jordan. Practices so hard with so much enthusiasm that the game day becomes easy. The practice is what you really push yourself to dedicate yourself to becoming um, obsessed with the finer details of your alignment, your assignment, how to execute your position. Because if you do that every day in practice and you build and build and build, then the game becomes so easy. And I think that's the kind of uh, um, almost that Pavlov's effect you want to create with the, the culture of this atmosphere. When we hit that white line practice field, game day. It doesn't matter what part of the season or off season. When you step on that field, that white line, nobody walks. You run from drill to drill. You stay eyes on the coach. You're always in a learning mode. No coach should look for you to have to tell you to go in. You should be having eyes on the coach waiting for him just to give you eye contact so that you can go get that next rep because everybody should be hungry to be able to get get on the field, get some film and show that you can um, add to the team. No helmets. Uh, ever on the ground. Never. You never put your helmet on the ground. If you take it off your head, you hold on to it until you put it back on. But you always are buckled up, ready to jump in and, and, and add. And that's the culture. That's the atmosphere. I remember, um, man, things were going 100 miles an hour. And anytime the, uh, Coach Spaggs asked me to jump into the field, he didn't have to wait for me to put my gloves on and get retaped. And man, I was always throughout the entire practice ready to go, get that next snap, get that next wrap get that next rep and be able to, I mean, make a play. Playmakers want to make plays, and it doesn't matter what the scenario. It doesn't matter if it's mandatory, voluntary. I just want an opportunity to go and show my skills and my abilities. Yeah, you want to know why
0: uh, organized team activities are important to the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid. The first area is conditioning and not just physical conditioning. It is the mental and emotional conditioning shop. You just said it so very well. The way you enter the building, the way you handle meetings, the way you are on time for meetings. It just puts you into a tempo and a rhythm that is all throughout this building that gets you ready for St. Joe. You don't have to learn it in St. Joe or learn it during mandatory minicamp. You already know it, and it's part of your uh, also muscle memory almost. All right. The second C of our CCC, uh, why OTAs are important to the Kansas City Chiefs and why they help the Chiefs win and why the Chiefs get off to usually an awesome start in a season, and that is consumption. So the second C is consumption. Let's be honest here. The Kansas City Chiefs, offense and defense, complicated. Yeah. Coach Reed will tell you, going to St. Joe, they want to have most of the offense installed. They have something north of 700 plays on offense, and that includes a variety of different formations. Defensively, and I'm going to get to you in a second, Shop, on the complexity of Spags' defense because it is complex. But, Matt, to understand and to get the volume of this offense as much as you can so that you hit the mandatory camp on the run, hit St. Joe on the run, you hit the preseason games on the run, and when the season starts, you're at a full sprint.
1: Well, that's the thing. A lot of teams in the NFL, they don't look at it that way. Training camp begins with you installing the playbook and you learning these things, and it's a slow ramp up. And for some teams, that works, but for a team like the Chiefs that's consistently proven they're a championship caliber team, the roots of that um, culture that we keep talking about is in May and OTAs when you're doing all this work now, so then the guys can go home after mandatory minicamp is over in three weeks. They can still be thinking about this a little bit, take some time off, but still be thinking about it. You've done it already albeit in shorts, but you've still done it. So when you get to training camp and the pads come on, you've done this before, you know what you're doing. You're not learning new information at training camp. This is all stuff that you did weeks ago. And that's the beauty of how Coach Reed organizes this stuff. One of the things that many people might not know um, is that Coach Reed, yes, he's a great coach, but he is a tremendous organizer, Mm -hmm. amazing at it. And if you just watch a training camp practice, if you came from a different country that had never you'd never watched football before and you watched training camp practice, you'd be wondering how this organized chaos is taking place. <laughs> and OTAs <laughs> is the same way. I mean, a horn's going off, but everyone knows where to go at all times. And they're digesting all of this stuff and learning it so that when they get the training camp, they can hit the ground running and attack every single day of camp and then hit the season running. And that's why you said, I mean, they've been so good to start the season over the last several years. It's interesting, too, because... Yeah, there's kind of like the idea of a depth chart in OTAs, like you might see on Twitter, certain people saying this guy's with the starting unit, this guy's with the second unit. There's not really a depth chart. Like, I wouldn't read too much into that. Like, that's the earliest iterations of the first, second, third, and fourth teams. But what you can see in this time is certain guys rise to the occasion. And we've seen that over the years. We saw Trey Smith last year. He's my favorite example from last year. Uh, if, so I take notes every single day of OTAs, and Trey Smith um, was with the third team offensive line on day one. He was behind some guys. Uh, by day three, he was on the second team, and then by day nine, <laughs> he was the starting right guard, and he never relinquished that position. He didn't show up at training camp after being drafted with no work in between and just be given the starting right guard job. He earned it. In OTAs after proving himself day after day went into training camp had that job already and never relinquished it so that happened in OTAs not in training camp. Also guys like Derice Fountain he made this team out of camp last year was a great story he first was turning heads in OTAs Jody Fortson is the same way so when you're following great stories in training camp and you learn about a player for the first time for many people that's the first time they've heard of this guy's name but it likely started in OTAs and it's who can consume this stuff at the highest rate with the highest efficiency this stuff starts in OTAs with who can really digest this stuff uh, most effectively outside
0: observers talk about how effective the Chiefs are with shifts and motions to get you either you know to trick your eyes if you're on defense but we're also seeing where The Chiefs have got to get Marquez Valdez-Scantling up to speed as fast as possible, Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Ronald Jones Jr. We can go right down the list. This is 42 new guys, but there are guys that they are counting on right away to be able to contribute. Whomever's at right tackle, could Kennard win that job? Um, But they've got to be ready to go out of the gate. And so on offense, again, high volume, this is Calc 3, but – Right now, there's no wasted days. Every day is important, and to get this offense down so it becomes just rote learning to have 700 plays learned uh, going into St. Joe becomes uh, paramount. Now, Shop, I want to ask you about the defensive side because you have experience with specs. You have coached. You have been a volunteer coach at camp. You've been in meetings. But let's back it up now to OTAs and the fact that so many young guys now are going to be expected to contribute for the Chiefs on defense. The OTAs and their importance were in the second C. Remember the first one was conditioning, not just physical conditioning, but mental and emotional conditioning to the culture, to the consumption. With Spags' defense, how important are OTAs just to consume it because it's a complicated defense?
2: Uh, anybody who says it's not confusing is lying. At the end of the day, there is uh, man, it's 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 spaghetti on the table. It's it's a bunch of noodles and meatballs and sauce everywhere, and you gotta find a way to Just just develop little pockets in your brain to really put certain plays defensively, certain adjustments in certain areas. If you don't find a way to do that, you'll get to a point in the season where they're still growing, developing – Putting in new wrinkles and new uh, defenses, and you're still struggling with some of the day one stuff. So when we talk about consumption in the, um, in this phase of off season, it's all the basics. It's all the things, the rules, the the, the shifts and motions. How do we adjust? When do we lock? When do we bump? As far as man to man coverage, when do we go uh, from Rolex to Vegas, Vegas to Rolex? Um, <laughs> <laughs> some of those defensive terms um, are, are 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 they transcend. Overall, all the defenses. And so when you have certain concepts that, that, that really have a priority and they go, no matter what we're in, no matter what package we're in, these concepts travel with all of our defensive fronts and personnel. Those are the things we go over in this phase of this, you know, primary getting guys comfortable with, 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 with is basically some of the bread and butter stuff about a defense. But you've got to realize the things that are going to be put in, they can't wait for anybody. You got A through Z to put in. We got to put it all in in a short time. And when you have questions, and when you have questions, you got to get those things answered right now. Young guys, the one thing they struggle with getting on the field is not knowing when to adjust and not knowing who to pick up when it comes to the blitz pressure packages, and then not understanding how their drop zone coverage uh, sometimes differ changes depending on offensive shifts and motions yeah. and if you don't know how all of that stuff this works together then you're gonna, you, you're gonna you're gonna find yourself kind of swamped maybe like you said on that third string depth chart for a long time even though you might be one of the most talented guys in the room your talent is not going to be able to showcase itself because you just don't know where to go you don't know where you belong and so this is the time for the guys to you ain't got much else to do but football dive into that playbook Learn your position. Learn the two positions next to you because that kind of helps you figure out where you belong. And through that whole process, like you said, consumption. Consume the playbook. Let that become your gospel i mean let that lead you <laughs> only like 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 only the bible can right it leads you through to the faith in that, that 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 playbook that has to become your gps that's the way you got to lead yourself through life um and, and all the answers are in that playbook but you got to know how to find it how to apply it how to use it to make sure that you align and you know your assignment and then it's all about execution The defensive side of
0: this discussion, to me, is fascinating because you have this blend. You've got George Karloftis. You've got Trent McDuffie. You've got Brian Cook. You've got guys that were drafted. Defenders. Leo Chanel uh, go down the line. Joshua Williams, don't leave anybody out. Jalen Watson. I mean, the draftees. And then you've got, like, a Nick Bolton or or, uh, Willie Gay Jr., who you've thrust into different and more uh, responsibility in those roles. And so me, uh, we're taping this on May the 25th. And and Matt, May the 25th, to me, for that group and those dynamics is as important as it is on August the 25th.
1: Yeah, it's funny, too, because we talk a lot about the offense and the receivers all finding cohesion with Patrick Mahomes and how's the offense going to look this season. But the defense is kind of the same thing. It's exciting because we have a lot of really good young players in this defense that I think are really going to thrive here. But they are kind of figuring out their roles right now. Uh, The Chiefs, in a lot of ways have kind of moved on from a lot of defensive players that were here for a long time that really established themselves. And now it's guys like Justin Reed who are kind of running the show. Nick Bolton's going to be the mic this year, be the green dot, be one of the leaders of this defense, and he's just a second-year player. It's exciting because he's ready for that opportunity. It's, it's very clear. And, and watching this defense in practice, like they're flying around and making plays, there's a lot of length at the cornerback position I'm super excited about. I can't wait to see how um, when we do our three safety looks how the three safeties kind of work together because I think all those skill sets really are cohesive. Um, It's gonna be interesting, but this is the time where you figure out as a unit, how are we gonna defend? And Justin Reed uh, spoke with the media today kind of about that and he said a few interesting things. He said that this is gonna be the most fun defense he's ever played in because Spags is gonna use him in so many different versatile roles. But also, he is relishing the opportunity to face Patrick Mahomes and the first-team offense every single day. And remember, they couldn't do that uh, in an official capacity until literally this week because you couldn't have 11 on 11. But he was like, we're facing these guys every day, and iron sharpens iron. And you're facing Patrick Mahomes every single day. All of a sudden, when you're facing maybe a lesser quarterback
2: in a game, uh, it's just a half-second slower. So that's the beautiful thing with that. Some of the most fun I had in my career was facing Tony Gonzalez on a daily basis. Yeah. The, the, the opportunity to face somebody who you knew was headed for Canton, <laughs> and you got to sharpen your tool belt on a guy like that, it made Sunday so easy. There's, there's no tight end that can put a move on me to greater than Tony tried to put on me during practice. So it, it made me so confident facing all these other opponents, all these other tight ends. Like None of y'all are Tony, so if I can shut him down or even come close to shutting him down during the practice and I know I'm going a, I'm to a be a lights out, shut down on game day.
0: New coaches get a chance to have an extra week uh, in the phase one of OTAs. It has to happen really early, not now, early on. Yeah. But it's almost like this defense feels like uh, there's so much new to it and so much exciting new to it that it's almost like, gosh, I wish Spags had another week. But just know this. OTAs are really important to this defense, and you can get excited about it. But the second part is consumption, the third part. In the third C, the first C, of course, conditioning. Not just physical conditioning, but mental, emotional. Learn the culture. Learn how we win, how we practice. Two, consumption. The huge volume of being achieved. Three is chemistry and why chemistry and the development of it is huge for this team during OTAs. Yes, in late May, in June. Um, In chemistry, we just heard, and we heard Patrick Mahomes during the first media session of OTAs, Talk about it so much. that was just all throughout his discussion uh, and the questions asked to him, even to the point where he went out of his way to have his own training session on his own, real voluntary, in Texas. But Patrick talked about the importance of developing chemistry now.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, first off, I think we got some chemistry in. Um, just getting with those guys um, for uh, almost a month and uh, working out with them, throwing with them. We'd go to lunch, go to dinner, stuff like that. You kind of build that chemistry. And I think a big part, of especially our offense, is having that chemistry on the field, being able to know what the guy's doing without having to talk about it. Um, and uh, I think it's translated. I mean, so far in the practice that we have, we think like we're on the same page and, and uh, kind of having that chemistry, and we're going to keep building on that.
0: So pretty clear there how Patrick Mahomes, what he's learned about chemistry and developing it now during OTAs. Start with you, Sean. Right. In chemistry here on both sides of the ball and in special teams, because I don't want to leave them out. That goes back to the culture part, because you've got to learn how to be on special teams complicated in Dave Tobe's system.
2: Chemistry. How much you start developing that right now in OTAs? Chemistry, the key to it is communication. It always begins and ends with communication. If you can be an effective communicator on the field, you have a position on that field. If you can't, no matter how much skill, no matter how much talent, all of those things fall at the wayside if you can't either accept communication or deliver it. And so from a safety standpoint, when you see the offensive set comes out and you got to communicate to the linebackers, let them know what coverage you want to be in, how you want them to see the offense, you got to be able to communicate it verbally or by hand signals. And then as linebackers, when you look at that defensive front, there's a certain way you want them to fit against the offense to protect against run gaps. You got to be able to, to tell them, ax stunt or bash or or crash stunts to take the A, B, and C gaps away so that you can feel free to flow fast and go make plays. If those things don't get communicated on the defensive side, you don't have a chance at stopping these high-powered offenses today. And then when you talk about even on the offensive side of the ball, everybody is trying to see the defense through Pat Mahomes' eyes. If I'm a wide receiver, the only thing that matters to me is that I see the defense the same way that the quarterback sees it because he's going to throw the ball to an area to take advantage of what they're doing defensively. And I want to make sure I'm at the right place at the right time and then make that great catch to be able to matriculate and move that ball down the field. And then on special teams, hey, man, you're the tip of the spiel for a reason. You can make some of the biggest plays on special teams, the the momentum change that happens on a special teams turnover or block punt. Lack of communication leads to block punts and kicks more than anything. It's never a talent thing. It's the lack of communication. you got to be able to count. One, two, three, four, one side. One, two, three, got to be know if you're doing a zone blocking scheme versus man. If those things aren't communicated the right way, everybody who's pre- pre- uh, pressuring block kicks, block punts, they do stabs, they do twists, they do uh, uh, overload a side because they want to mess up your count. So you have to be so well at communication to make sure that you do one thing, right? That communication is the key to being able to compete on Sundays.
0: And with Dave Tobe, he's got so many countermeasures built into his <laughs> special teams, whether it's a return or covering. It's a measure. It, it, what you think is not what's really going to happen. Yes. What you see is not going to happen because he's got a countermeasure ready to go, and you've got to be a player that can acclimate to that system. That's part of the chemistry. What I found fascinating in Patrick's comments, and I think as much of him getting the guys together, so to speak, in Texas prior to the start of this third phase of OTAs or phase two of OTAs was the the off-the-field stuff. Mm -hmm. Now think about it just for the three of us. We've done things outside, off-camera, outside of the building that to me is as important or valuable to us being able to connect as it is inside the building. For players, it's even more so. But I found it fascinating that Patrick Mahomes is emphasizing the off-field chemistry stuff almost as much
1: as the on-field chemistry stuff. I like that you mentioned our podcast as an example because I was thinking of the same thing. I mean, if if we all came in here, were hired the same day, and they were like, do a choose podcast, we'd, it, we'd do our best. But, I mean, we wouldn't know each other. We, we wouldn't know how each other acts or what you think about or what you are interested in. You know, it would be hard we don't do a ton of like preparation into the outline of the show. (laughs) I mean, we just know each other and we just talk about the chiefs and football and it just kind of flows. I mean, football in a lot of ways is the same way. I totally agree about what Patrick said because, well, it's important that they're going out there and throwing and you know, kind of figuring out physically how they all interact, but he keeps emphasizing that they would hang out, they go to lunch, they go to dinner. You kind of figure out how each other thinks, and that translates to the field. Another interesting thing that he mentioned was that the coaches are going to teach the receivers routes one way, and they need to run it the way the coaches want, but Patrick was teaching it how he sees it. And now they can learn it from the coaches here in OTAs, and they can uh, go into a game knowing it both ways. Here's how the route is designed. Here's how the concept is supposed to work. But here's also how Patrick is seeing it. Here's how his brain is processing it. I just found that really interesting, and that's kind of an advantage, I think. And Coach Reed mentioned that even today, the second day of OTAs, that um, while it was just the base stuff that they went over in Texas, like that was still a huge help, and it's evident that they're not just brand new when you add a guy like Juju or Marquez Valdez-Scantling, like they're not brand new to it. They've been hanging out with Patrick a bit. They kind of know what uh, he's thinking when he's out there already, and that's just a huge advantage, I think. So props to Patrick for doing the stuff in Texas. I think a lot of teams wouldn't have done that. And a total voluntary thing is to get together in your own time and get better at football. I think it's pretty cool. And I think that will pay dividends here moving forward. Don't forget, too, that Patrick last year, think about what he was dealing with coming off that foot surgery. Mm -hmm. He wasn't at 100%. Like, he couldn't have done that last year. And he mentioned in his press conference just how much better he feels this time around, that he's fully healthy. He can go out there and just play football with his guys, and that's going to help him this year. Uh, defensively i think it's also the case because justin reed mentioned in his presser about how important that off the field chemistry is and how that really impacts things i mean i'm sure you can speak to this because justin said that his first two years in houston it was really good like they would hang out like once a week or twice a week as a defense outside the building so when it came to game day they knew what each other was thinking they know um you know let's say you mess up and i come at you and kind of explain to you hey you messed up you're not going to take it personally because you know I'm coming from a good place. Yeah. That's important. He said the last two years in Houston, it really just wasn't the case as much uh, for their defense. And let's say, same scenario, if I come at you and say, hey, you screwed this up, you're going to take it personally and hate me. You know, <laughs> He didn't say that, but he kind of alluded to it. So uh, they're already doing that as a defense defense. Here and Justin, we talked about it in our last DTK, is embrace such a leadership role on this team already. So, to have kind of guys on both sides really emphasizing the importance of that off the field stuff, I think will pay dividends. Patrick talked about going to basketball games, taking them to NBA games, sporting, uh, sporting,
0: uh, baseball games, and said, I'm going to take these guys around Kansas City so they'll see why I love it so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just just think about that. So, it's it's the off the field uh, chemistry building. Shop, and you had a career as a defensive player. But to me, the epitome of this is the offensive line. This is a close group. Like, you look at Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. You mentioned him earlier in the podcast. But these guys are in their second year. They're, out, they're like 10-year veterans. But how they get along with each other, how they know each other's families. Uh, Tooney um, talked about staying in contact with Orlando Brown Jr. But the best offensive lines that I've seen in my brief 29 years in this league are those that get that. They're off the field. They have their own little subculture fraternity.
2: So if you think about offensive line, that's the only position that gets ranked or graded as an entire group. If if, If the offensive line gives up three, four sacks a game, it could be one guy giving up all those sacks. That offensive line is going to be rated as porous, So, defensively, they're gonna come at them. They're gonna try all these different stunts. They're not gonna worry about which position gave it up. You get ranked, you get graded, you get evaluated as an entire group. So, that that group has to be so closely knitted. They gotta be able to, every down over and over again, I don't care if you're exhausted, I don't care if you're tired, I don't care if you sprain the ankle and you got on one ankle. We still have to perform through individual. Um, issues and problems at a very high level because we are in charge of protecting the most highest valued asset on the field, which is the quarterback. So when you're entrusted that, then then there is no excuses. There is no uh, take a play off or or, uh, tapping out because you're a little bit tired or you're exhausted. You got to go out there and perform at a high level throughout the entire game. And so – Beyond just the offensive line, we look at some different positions. But when you say, like, you know, from a quarterback position, um, everybody got to be on the same page. Imagine a scenario. Imagine a scenario where the coach puts in a, a, a route, where you're running a nine route down the sideline. But in the coach's diagram in the, in the discussion, they tell you, uh, Matt, if the cornerback if the bails before the snap, then you're supposed to run a stop route. <laughs> but in the offseason, I've talked to Pat, and Pat says, listen, on this certain route, I begin to look to the right side. That's my first, second, and read, and I'm coming back to you late. So if your corner bails at the snap, I won't even see it. So I need you to stick with the route unless you know I'm looking your route. Right? And isn't it, it's, if, if I'm going to change my, my, you know, uh, my progression and come to your side first, I might give you a little hand signal to let you know, hey, I'm coming your way. So so now you know I see the bail, And so that, that that's a 100% how... A, a, a minor detail on how a route is run and adjusted to can create a interception if they're not on that same page and that's something they can't you, you don't have enough time to go over all those little details. But Pat is making time in the off season to talk about these fines, like how I'm looking at things and how I see it and you gotta be a you know you got you gotta be a veteran yourself to know why that's important.
1: Yeah, well a perfect example of that was in the Super Bowl. Sammy Watkins, what was it, like 38-yard reception down the sideline? that mm-hmm. set Richard up Sherman. Exactly, on Richard Sherman. We talked to Patrick uh, in the summer after the Super Bowl that year, and he explained that that was not the correct route. That, the whole thing there was because um, Sammy recognized it, Patrick knew Sammy recognized it, and they just kind of did backyard football. That wasn't the design play. But because of exactly what you're saying, it led to one of the biggest moments in the Super Bowl and led to a Chiefs victory uh, in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more.
0: Awesome. Awesome points. But hopefully now, throughout the Chief's Kingdom, and you can spread the word, yes, OTAs, organized team activities, are very important in the Chief's Kingdom. And it's CCC with the conditioning, not just physical conditioning, but how we win, how we practice, how we work, consumption, and chemistry. And we'll close this way. Go look at a tree. If it's about 70 years old, or if you live in the United States, go visit a state park. It probably was put there by the Civilian Conservation Corps. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.